Welcome to the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast presents the Naked Bootleg, rolling out of the trivia pocket with no protection. Tonight we'll be, be, we will be previewing the upcoming championship Sunday matchups and discussing the James Harden trade and how that affects the Nets and the NBA as a whole. With me again are Scott and Eric. How are we doing tonight, fellas? That's you good. can go first, Eric. I got nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Speechless for once. <laughs> I, I'm good. I'm, I'm excited to get into this. Uh, we had some really great questions coming on the bench, so I'm always happy to interact with, with everybody and talk about sports, so let's do it. All right. Well, if 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 Eric truly doesn't have anything to say, I think we can just jump right into it. Um, um, let's save time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the upcoming Championship Sunday matchups. Uh, let's start with the AFC first. We have the Buffalo Bills traveling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. I guess to start, uh, Eric, how are, how do you see this matchup going? Actually, before we start, I just want to say there's a really interesting dichotomy right now going on here between Eric and I because Eric is anti-everything Bills. I'm very pro-Bills. So what I want to do here is show everyone out there how you can diplomatically disagree on an issue and still work on not one but two podcasts together. So, Eric, go ahead, my friend. So I can't even begin to, I don't know why teams seem to change the way they play against the bills. Lamar Jackson looked like, I don't even know what that was last week. Um, he had no protection. I mean, if the bills can, can run, if Mahomes plays for that matter, I mean, I guess that's kind of where it all starts right now. If he does play, I think it does advantage to the chiefs i mean they won the regular season in buffalo the bills did not look good that game then again since about week five six they've really turned it around their defense has stepped it up a lot i mean if their defense can play as well as they have been because that's what carried them through the other day if their defense didn't show up the way it did i mean it's like i've been saying forever about josh allen i know this isn't a popular statement put him against a, a top rated pass defense he's not as great as everyone's saying he is this year but in the end, I think the Chiefs, assuming Mahomes plays, wins this game. Okay. Scott, how are you feeling? Uh, the, the, we had the anti-Bills fan, and now we have the Bills fan. How are you feeling about this matchup? Scared? I mean, I, I got to be honest. Like, I didn't expect the Bills to get this far. So it's already I, – I mean, I, I would imagine it's similar to how a, the Browns fans feel. You know, it's – it's already an accomplishment in itself. I mean, I was very impressed with the Bills' defense and Baltimore. The defense really, really stepped up, like Eric mentioned, generating a pass rush, which typically isn't always there for them. You know, Jerry Hughes has his moments, and he's kind of hit or miss, and Mario Addison doesn't normally strike fear in too many people. But, you know, the, the back seven, uh, you know, every, everyone played really well. Like, the secondary, obviously, the safeties were incredible. Davius White and then the other two corners, Wallace and Johnson, were great in that game. I hope that momentum carries over. Uh, I'm going to operate under the assumption that Mahomes plays. I'd be really surprised if he doesn't. And if that is the case, the best way to rattle him is going to be to generate some pressure on him early. And I think that's the only chance the Bills have of possibly establishing some sort of rhythm and some sort of lead. Because if they can do that and the wheels don't fall off, they'll have a shot. This was, I think, big for them because the majority of the games that they won this year were the games where Josh Allen went off. It was, you know, he had four touchdowns, threw for 300 yards. The fact that they won a game where Josh Allen didn't have to 
throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns. All he had to do was limit his mistakes, which for once he did, and, you know, and it was enough with the defense to get them by is promising. I don't see their offense sputtering two weeks in a row. So I, I definitely think they'll have a better offensive output. But if Mahomes plays, I, I can't not pick the Chiefs because there's just too much firepower on the offense. Mahomes is too good. He'll dissect that defense. And I'm going to go with Andy Reid, you know, at this point until he makes me believe otherwise. For me, this matchup is assuming Mahomes is playing and we'll get to that momentarily. But for now, assuming Mahomes plays, to me, the Bills were the only team in the AFC that had a legit shot at beating them because so far no team has been able to, to slow them. So at this point it's who can keep up. And to me, this is the only offense that can or is capable. And that's completely, and they don't have a running game. I mean, they ran the ball like what, like maybe 10, 12 times. I don't even think it was that many. I don't think it was that many either. And that is normally not a recipe for success, but, but the fact that they can call a game plan in a playoff game where they don't run the ball and Josh Allen's playing as well as he can. I mean, it's, this is the only matchup that I could see that could, you know, I think they can keep it close. I think the biggest X factor is Josh Allen's legs. Now, I think he's done a great job of, of, you know, since last year of not, not running just to run. He's actually looking downfield and that dude's got such a hose that, I mean, he can throw it anywhere on the field when he's running, when he's running, you know, scrambling out of the pocket. And I think his legs is, are, are the only chance that, that the bills have if he has a big game on the ground and they can continue the pace that they've been on in the air. But yeah, they, the bills defense, Oh, they, their lack of a pass rush. This could be the, the time that it bites them because if they don't get to Mahomes and he sit, he gets to sit back there. It's uh, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long day. So if you look at just to go back to that, the, was it week six? I want to say they played. Okay. The chiefs didn't throw the ball. Didn't have to the bills sat down and, and they were like, they're not Mahomes isn't going to beat us. So who beat them? Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, they ran for over 200 yards that game. They didn't have to throw the ball, pass for 200. And for some, I don't know where the Chiefs' defense came from that game, held the Bills to about 200 yards of total offense. So if the Chiefs try to run the ball down their throat again, I, I don't know if the Bills are ready for it because Dobbins and Edwards looked good last week. Yeah, it, it, the, the only thing there is Edwards Hilaire, if he plays, you know, isn't, is, isn't likely to be 100%. And so no. it comes down to Williams with a, you know, a little bit of Le'Veon Bell and, how they're it's a little you would think the game would be a little bit different just based on the different running backs but yeah i mean it's easy to run against the bills we've seen that all season so it's it's it is going to come down to making sure those first down runs aren't five yards and maybe they're three yeah something like that i looked at it the bills ran the ball not counting josh allen runs seven times yeah (laughs) yeah that's just it's it's (laughs) <laughs> it's no, going back in all time. You just don't, you, that's not a recipe to win. Scratch that nine times, seven for Singletary, two for Yeldon. Yeldon's don't count. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about the big issue here is that Patrick Mahomes, his status is unclear. And today 
apparently CBS is reporting that it may not have been a concussion at all, but he's in concussion protocol. I'm I'm already concerned about the Chiefs wanting the face of the league to be out there and then rushing him through concussion protocol. I think that's a legit concern because it should be about his health first and foremost. But now that they're saying that it might not even be a concussion and it could be a neck or something like that, I mean, that to me is worse. A concussion, there are certain cognitive tests that you go through, and if you pass, you're good. But if this is something uh, more of a neck or something like that, and on top of that, he was limping around already on that toe for earlier in the game. Uh, they said it during the broadcast. Patrick Mahomes uh, led the league in first down runs on third and long. It's it's, bit, it's such an underrated part of, part of his game because of his arm. And if he's limited in that way, I mean, that is a huge advantage for the Bills. And it'll obviously be a huge, obviously be a huge advantage, uh, you know, if Chad Henney's playing. But, um, yeah, how, how, do, how do we feel about this news that the injury might not be what it initially was thought to be? This is a conspiracy theorist's dream. It is no matter what happens. If if Mahomes plays, it's it's immediately they forced him in. But at long term, they just paid him a billion dollars, whatever his contract is, however much money he's getting. If he's got a neck injury, those those can linger. I mean, they can pop up from nothing. He can sleep wrong one night, wake up and not be able to make move his head. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it, we don't have a lot of information right now, just being, you know, the, the day after. But. Kansas City's, a, you know, they're in an interesting position. Like, we don't know the severity of exactly what it is yet and kind of where everything stands as far as you have to make that decision. You know, obviously they're trying to get to their second straight Super Bowl and they do get a week off. You know, they do win in between. So, you know, is it, you, you know, you put them out there, you get the win and, and then you have, you know, two weeks to kind of reassess and figure out a game plan? Or is it this could potentially be something where it's as simple as one little hit and he's done not only for that game, but eventually into, you know, next season. So it, it, they're going to have to weigh, you know, the options on that. I love Patrick Mahomes, but I don't want him to play, <laughs> you know, as, <laughs> as someone who's rooting for the Bills. I don't want him to play from that perspective, and I also don't want him to play if it could potentially cause severe long-term damage because that's terrible for the league. So what comes to mind for me is, granted, he was much, much later in his career, um, Peyton Manning. He had that neck surgery. He lost yeah. so much arm strength from it. Um, he was able to play for a few more years, ended up winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's great, but it, it it's you don't mess with the neck. The, Same thing the with arm, the- yeah, it was a steep decline. It was very apparent that once it went, it was gone. Oh, yeah. he was out there throwing like Drew Brees was throwing yesterday. Yeah, it was oh, rip. <laughs> rip to Drew Brees because that was hard <laughs> to watch. Uh, okay, let me ask you this, Scott, before we move on. Let's say Patrick Mahomes doesn't play. Do you feel bad at all playing against Chad Henney to go to the Super Bowl? Hell no. You got to play the hand you were dealt. Exactly. Good answer. Okay. I don't agree. No, no, you know, you shouldn't feel bad. You just got to play with who you got. And if he can't go, then. Listen, Chad Henney and the Chiefs could beat the Bills. Let's, okay. (laughs) Any given Sunday, man. And and Chad Henney's probably one of the better backups right now. Like, did you say any given Sunday? Terrible interception. Like he made some good throws in that game. So if he is playing, you give him a whole week of passing with the first string. Like it, it's not running Nathan Peterman out there. Like that Henny's reputable enough. Yeah, I agree. 
All right. I, anytime, oh, Nathan, anytime Nathan Peterman's broken up. It's just... His problem isn't arm strength. It's just not throwing it to the other team. Yeah. Just... He needs LASIK. He's got to talk to Winston. Oh yeah. Hey, it worked. You see that? Yeah. No, oh my God. <laughs> Who does that after throwing for 5,000 yards? Like, hey, maybe I'll get LASIK. Make it a lot easier. To because he actually threw for 7,000 because he threw to like 2,000 yards to the other team. That's fair. All, All those right. picks that got run back. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the NFC matchup. And you go from a 25-year-old and a 24-year-old quarterback to a 43-year-old and a 37-year-old quarterback, two of the greatest of all time. Tampa is going to head up to Green Bay. Tom Brady's in the freaking <laughs> NFC championship. Uh, it, I, I don't even know what to say to start out with. So, uh, Scott, what, what, do you think, what do you think about this matchup? Well, I will start by saying this. This is the first time in my entire life that I've been rooting for Tom Brady in the playoffs. Otherwise, like, I, and I can't believe it. Tampa Bay looked, they looked incredible against the Saints. Defense showed up. I mean, it's, it's what we've been waiting for all year. They've had, they had their moments where everything clicked, but it, it was kind of like one week the defense looked good. They had the pass rush. The next week, the secondary looked great. And the next week, the offense looked insane. But it, it, we didn't get that total package in many games during the regular season. And for the most part, we did against the Saints. You know, Brady looked good leading that offense. The run game looked strong. Brady was connecting with everybody. Uh, you know, he looked, him and Evans looked in sync. Him and Godwin looked in sync. He, cre- he created some plays. He had a great pass to Scotty Miller. He got Tyler Johnson involved. Like, the offense looked great. And then the defense, I mean, the secondary, no catches. Michael Thomas, like Carlton Davis stepped up. Jamel Dean played a great game. Obviously, Antoine Winfield, the GOAT safety, uh, you know, played a great game as well. Evan White was all over the place. I mean, they looked absolutely unstoppable in that game. If they bring that to Green Bay, it, it's ball game. But that's the thing. Are they going to bring that to Green Bay? That secondary, whatever they did to Michael Thomas, they need to pump that up and do the same thing to Devontae Adams. You know, that pass rush really needs to get in there, especially with the Packers playing without Bakhtiari and, and Jared Felder's in there. If they can get the pass rush on Rodgers and they can neutralize that, that pass game, and Aaron Jones can be Aaron Jones and it won't matter. So it, it's going to come down to that. If I have to make a pick right now on Monday because I don't like Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to pick Tampa but they need to bring everything that they brought against the Saints and a little bit more. Eric, what do you think? The Packers won last week by running the ball down the Rams' throat. Like it's that they set out with a mission and, and they did it. Tampa Bay's got the number one run defense in the league, and they I think it's like eighty yards a game. I think they're two. I think Levante David and Devin White are faster than Aaron Jones. Yeah, week six again. I think it was week six again. They <laughs> these two teams played, and how did that thirty-eight to ten? Tampa Bay shut them down. They're, Aaron Rodgers did not. He two interceptions, sacked five times. Granted, it was in Tampa Bay. Is the weather going to change? Is the cold weather going to affect? I feel if the weather doesn't affect it that much, which I think it's going to, um, Tampa Bay should be able to win this game. Um, but it's with Aaron Rodgers just, you know, finding himself again this year just might put him over the top. But my dream scenario is now that I, I've said this, told you guys this the other day, but yes, if the Bills win, great, whatever. But I just, if the Bills win, then Tampa Bay has to win because I want Tom Brady to meet them in the Super Bowl. 
and everybody in Buffalo will lose their mind if they lose to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. They finally got rid of him out of the division. They won the division, go to the Super Bowl, and who's there? The guy who's been owning their life for 20 years. He's like coming back one more time. He's like, I feel like he's watching the Bills do all this and be like, you know what? I really got to get to that Super Bowl just to show them what's up. Probably true. Um, yeah, I, gosh, the the that version of the Tampa Bay defense that was there last night makes them very, very scary. Um, and even scarier is not only what Eric said last time they hit Rogers five times, they also knocked him down eight times. Um, uh, Jamel Dean had a pick six and he said he knew when Adams motioned in, he saw it. So kind of a predictable play calling day um, is Vita Vea is had, was designated to return today from his broken leg that he suffered earlier in the year. And if you drop him in the middle of that defense, it's going to make it exponentially harder for green Bay to run the football. And that's to me, the underrated thing that's been happening with green Bay is Rogers is on another planet, but when they need it, they can hand the ball to Aaron Jones 20 times and he's going to, he's going to get work done. But if you bring back a, I mean, granted, he's not going to be able to play every snap, but you, you get Vita Vey out there at 350 pounds in the middle of that defense. It's a huge boost. I think this is going to be a game. I really do. Um, I just don't – what Aaron Rodgers is doing with that receiving core that he has, yes, he has Devontae Adams, who has a, a right to say he's the best receiver in the league right now. But other than that, he's got a sixth-round draft pick in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He has Equinemia St. Brown, who went undrafted. He has Alan Lazard, who went undrafted. He's got Robert Tunyon, who went undrafted. He's doing this with nobody. And it's scary that that's what he's doing, and they haven't surrounded him really with a ton of talent. So I think in these tight kind of matchups – I look at the guys that are playing quarterback and as crazy as this sounds, Aaron Rodgers is playing better than anybody, you know, right now. And I'll take green Bay for that reason. Um, because I just, I just think what he's, what he's been able to do at the line of scrimmage too, and taking advantage of matchups is, is, is why he'll win the MVP award. You forgot one name. He has somebody he's been around in this league for 35 and a half years. Oh, Marcy. <laughs> Yeah, Mercedes Lewis, still kicking. Oh, my gosh. Suiting up week in, week out. He really is. <laughs> Waiting to catch a ball. Oh, man. So, um, I, I don't think we said this. I think we're all in agreement that we think the Chiefs are going to take the AFC. Um, so, let's finalize it with picks. I just did with, I'm saying, I'm taking Green Bay. Um, I think the elements in Aaron Rodgers are too much to overcome. Uh, Scott? I'm going to take Tampa. I think the defense is coming off of a high. I think they're going to be opportunistic. I think they're going to be able to force a couple turnovers and and get to Rodgers with that weakened offensive line. I'm going to take Tampa. Eric? It's 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 that that cold weather, that Lambeau field, that home field advantage they have up there in the playoffs that scares me more than anything. And I don't I don't see their defense. It's it, teams that aren't used to hitting in the cold. It feels different, and it it's. I think Green Bay walks away with it. It'll be close. Like Marcus said, I think this is going to be a good game, but I think Green Bay finds a way to win it with like maybe a Mercedes Lewis touchdown at the end. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I think they need to run the ball. Uh, uh, Trevor Hogue had a question that kind of rolls into this. What do the Packers have to do differently from that 38 to 10 beatdown? I think they have to run the freaking football. 
and run it well because like you said it's cold and in the cold those two three four yard runs they start adding up at the end so if they stick with that run game and they don't get crazy and try and sling the ball over the yard um that's how i see them coming out on top we had a couple of coaching hires I guess the 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 one that took the most headlines to me uh, was Robert Sala heading to New York to become the coach of the Jets. So I guess that depends on, uh, you know, Mr. Jacksonville. That probably took the most headlines. I don't acknowledge him. <laughs> I know. We'll I get know. to him, we'll get to him later. <laughs> um, so Robert Sala to the Jets. I love this because now he's out of the Seahawks division and good riddance and good luck and – all that but um the dude's unbelievable he's he's just i mean granted they've invested a lot in that defense in san francisco but they had hit a lull and since and he was a a a carol understudy he he came up in the seahawks system and then truthfully he took it to san francisco and made it better i think this is a great hire you uh the guy's got a ton of energy and depending on who his offensive coordinator is i mean or who did he bring? No, he brought he brought uh, Mike Lafleur yeah. uh, with him, which I love that too. And now the question is, what will he do with Sam Darnold? But I love that hire, Eric. Uh, how do you feel about Sala to the Jets? Everything with a coach is going to come down to be what what are they going to do to what are they putting in front of him to work with? As long as he's got a good relationship with whoever they're bringing in, because their linebacking core is. I mean, they'll get C.J. Mosley back after the opt-out from this year, but is he still what he was when he was in Baltimore? It's going to be a – I mean, it's the, their linebacking core is bad. They got rid of – was it um, – Avery Williamson. Yeah. They just – they don't – I don't think they have the pieces yet, and it's going to take a while to get that defense right, um, which is going to show what he's got. He's going to need the pieces there first. Um, but if he gets a, a decent offensive quarter, then make the right move at quarterback, which I think is keeping Sam Darnold um, and just letting him have some type of continuity for a couple of years instead of just ripping the rug out from under him every summer. Uh, I think they could be good. It all depends on, you know, what they do. Maybe they trade for Watson. Scott, this is in this is in division for you. How do you feel? Yeah. And it's also I mean, it's in my backyard, too, surrounded by Jets fans. Um, I love Robert Zala, first and foremost. Like you mentioned, he's so animated and excitable. He's definitely the type of coach that you want to bring in from an energy perspective and from the standpoint of it seems like he definitely motivates guys to get behind him. I love it from that perspective. I'm going to plead with New Yorkers and with Jets fans, though. You've got to be patient. This isn't you're not turning the ship around next year. That this isn't this isn't the year that Sam Fran picked second overall because Jimmy G got hurt and then they went to the Super Bowl. That's not this. That's not happening. Eric alluded to it. They have next to nothing defensively. Like outside of Marcus May, they they really they had no one that was making plays this year. I mean, Neville Hewitt was fine, oh, but Quinn and Williams. Quinn and Williams was there. Okay. He, he he looked I mean he looked better, which obviously he didn't look great in his first season. Right. But there's you know, there's there's a lot of work. You to just be named done. two players. Your point still. There's, there's a lot of work to be done in, this, in that secondary, the pass, the pass rush. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done there. And, and again, it also comes down to, you know, organizationally, how, how are they going to structure this? I, I definitely think this keeps Darnold in in New York in a Jets uniform, because if before if they're going to run a similar offense to you know the way San Francisco is doing it, it's not like Darnold and Garoppolo are, are that different. It's you know. Like, 
Darnold only, can probably run that offense better than Garoppolo. Can. I was going to say the only difference is that Sam Darnold is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Right, he has he has like more athleticism. He can get out of the pocket and make some plays and things like that. For me, the, this it comes down to it's like you've got to get defensive players in there as much as they, they struggled offensively as well. You got to trade down from two at this point now. You you, you, you got to trade back. I would trade with whoever wants to either come up to get a QB or come up to get Sewell. Trade back. If you can get five or six or something like that, and Micah Parsons is on the board, take Micah Parsons. Now you've got a linebacker that you can use in there with Mosley coming back. Second pick, I would go defense, defense, honestly, if I was them. And I would try to fix more holes on offense through free agency. They can get Brent, they can go after Brandon Church. They can go after a receiver if they feel like they want to get into the Kenny Galladay sweepstakes or the Will Ford sweepstakes, whatever they may want to do. But you got, if you're hiring this guy, you need to put the defense in place. Um, and and let's not forget they they have the Seahawks uh, first and third this year. Yep. So, um, you know, they already have two first round picks. So, and and I think we mentioned this last time. If you are going to stick with Sam Darnold, yeah, trade down, get even more. I mean, there's no reason for you to stick it too if somebody's going to no. offer you more to move up. So, I think I think that's the right move. We've seen um, that. We've seen the rumor of Devonte Smith, though. It too, if they get stuck there, because oh of, God, which would be the worst thing for them to do. So stupid. I it's, love Devonte Smith, but that body type has rarely worked in the NFL, and I think he's a first round pick, no doubt. But I'm not drafting a 170 pound dude in the in the top ten. I, I love two. the guy. Let alone it too. All right. So the next one you alluded to. Um, I'll keep this brief because everybody should know my feelings about it by now. Uh, Urban Meyer to Jacksonville. It it started off like, uh, he's just going to sit behind the desk because he likes doing that. And then all of a sudden it picked up, and next thing you know, Urban Meyer, next head coach. Um, I don't like this hire. I don't. Um, I don't think he's the right guy to – he's the right guy to lead kids. I don't think he's the right guy to lead grown-ass men who are, you know, that, that don't have time for his, his style of coaching. Um, I hope for Jacksonville's sake that he does well, but just for Jacksonville's sake. But on top of that, you have Shad Khan, who's already come out and said, I will have the final say. You have an owner that says, I'll have the final say, and Urban Meyer spent his whole career doing everything himself. So it's interesting. It's going to sell tickets. But I don't think this is going to work. He's he's got he's got the same almost meant at least to me not knowing him just he's got that college coach mentality that did not work for Nick Saban that didn't work for you know who else Bobby Petrino yeah it's it just it, where he's he's alpha dog and there's no in between you can't be alpha dog with millionaires um, I the only one I can think of that really did it but we don't know his personality because he never shows it is Bill Belichick right. You don't know how he is behind the door. Like, you know, it, it's different. But, like, Pete Carroll, it seems like a very different type of college coach that came out. It felt like he was more friends with the kids that were there. And then when he came up here, now he gets along with the players because he's got that better player thing. And it's more team, not just you do what I say. I don't care if I'm wrong. You know, that dad mentality. With that being said, <sighs> I thought the Jaguars job was one of the more attractable jobs, but it was it's when the owner came out and said that he has final say, that's always the biggest concern in the world. 
as a Cowboys fan, you hear somebody say that and it, it hurts because you you've lived it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree that I also don't think it's going to work. Everything that both of you gentlemen just said also mixed with just the fact that it's not like he's a spring chicken, you know, he's, he's, he's up there in age. He's obviously has health concerns. Like I don't see him lasting more than, than two years on the sidelines, honestly. And he can use the health concern excuse again, if things go off the rails and he can make an early, early got exit. That, got that in his back pocket. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's so perfected, he's perfected it. You know, but again, we did last week say that, you know, that was like, you know, one of, if not the most attractive landing spot for a head coach. I mean, there's things in place there. You know, the Texans are awful. We don't, we don't know what the Colts QB situation is going to be. And the Titans are, are a, you know, a pretty good team. But, you know, there's potential there to, to turn this thing around quickly if that's what the intention is. And when you hire a coach that's this high profile, that's at this stage in his life, it's, you know, this prolific from the college ranks and things like that. You're not saying this is going to be a three-year process. That, that's not what this move says. So this move says we're going to get our quarterback. You know, we have some pieces in place. We're going to hit free agency hard with our billionaire owner, and we're going to try to make this thing work, and we're going to be competitive within the next year or two. So if that doesn't work out, it's sayonara, Urban Meyer. Yeah, um, that's all I really have to say. <laughs> I'm just I, – I hope I – hope this packs the stadium for Jacksonville, which I think is a lot of Shad Khan's goal. Um, but I don't trust, I wouldn't trust Urban Meyer as far as I can throw. I'll tell you myself. what's going to pack the stadium for Jacksonville. The fact that they couldn't pack it this year, that's going to pack every stadium once it's allowed for a yeah. while, just because you couldn't do it. That's a fair point. Yes. Okay. So we had a, an additional question from Trevor Hogue that was, what's the most head scratching coach hire? Let's start with mine, which is the Los Angeles chargers. Same. <laughs> Uh, hiring Brandon Staley, the DC from the Rams. Um, another thing I'm very ecstatic about because that guy's out of the <laughs> NFC West. Good luck. See you later. Um, but man, I just feel like the whole the whole cycle once it started, everybody thought that that was Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for Buffalo's job to lose. The things he did with Josh Allen, he was going to go apply them and work with Justin Herbert. And man, the Chargers ownership, they went and got uh who i think i think very highly of brandon staley because uh he absolutely buried russell wilson three times in the same season and that's impressive in its own right but i mean you have aaron donald you have jalen ramsey and then you have a bunch of names sure you got leonard floyd michael brockers but after that he's just taking g dudes and turning them into the number one scoring defense with the personnel that they have already on defense, Nasir Adderley, uh, Derwin James coming back from an injury, Casey Hayward, Kenneth Murray, uh, Denzel Perryman, uh, Bosa, Ingram. This is exciting, but my big question is, who is going to run the offense? Because that's the that was this our you know when we asked what was so attractive about LA, it's Justin Herbert. It's Keenan Allen. It's got, you know, that offense and who he brings in to run it is so important. So to me, it was head scratching. But at the same time, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Uh, it's going to depend on how he builds his staff. Uh, yep. What do you guys think? I 100% agree. I mean, for 
honestly, since Anthony Lynn got fired, it was this should this is Brian Dable's job. It's just the match made in heaven, right? It, it was I, I guess it was too good to be true, right? It was so good that it didn't happen. And I it's a lot of times you see that, you know, if the head coach comes in and he's got a specialty and it doesn't work out, they typically try to go the other way, right? So they, they we, we saw this. They brought in a, a defensive general, if you will, and Anthony Lynn. And what did they do? They brought in another defensive general, Brandon Staley. I, I'm not against Brandon. I'm not opposed to Brandon Staley having a job. I think he might have been better for the Eagles job just given the fact that they had an offensive coach. Teams tend to go the other way than they did previously when it didn't work out. So I'm surprised that the Chargers went defensive-minded coach that didn't work out, and now they're going to go defensive-minded coach again. I definitely thought when you have a young quarterback, and again, it is going to come down to the offensive coordinator and, and who that is that they can bring in. And I haven't really seen too much yet as far as possible names or if he's bringing anyone along with him or anything like that. But I certainly thought this was going to be offensive. I certainly thought this was going to be Brian Dable. I'm pretty surprised that it's not, but at the same time as a Bills fan, if this means they retain Brian Dable, I'm not upset about that either. So it's a win for the Bills if they can retain him. And the jury's out. I guess we'll see with the Chargers. I mean, that defense, like you mentioned, I mean, it's got the players and the pieces in place. The defense could be great, but if the offense sputters, I mean, how many times have we seen that? If you can't move the ball in this league, especially now, efficiently and, and with a young quarterback, then it doesn't matter how – I mean, it's it's the Bears, right? Like, Bears had a great defense, and, and they didn't – they don't have an offense in place that, that plays the Trubisky strength, and, and look what happened. So I, I do worry that that could potentially happen, but I guess we'll wait and see. They have the pieces, and that's what I just said about the Jaguars. They, they, you got pieces – they were in, I mean, maybe ruling out one game. I think they lost to the Patriots like by a lot. Take that game away. They were in almost every game they were playing. They had leads in most of those yeah. games. They they were a, a, a playing to win every one of those games, and they almost they probably should have won a lot more. A lot of people think that Anthony Lynn got fired because of his clock management and his coaching decisions that cost him a lot of those games. Yep. I mean, they won four in a row at the end of the season. Granted, you know, last one was against the Chiefs and Chad Henney, but whatever. Um, if they can get a few pieces and make that defense into a great defense, which is probably what they're looking to do, they want it to be a great defense, and then their offense can sputter, and then their defense can bail them out but they need somebody to compliment Austin Eckler, which they don't have. He's that small little scat back, catch passes out of the backfield. You can't give him the ball 25 times a game. When you need to run the ball, you need somebody a little, a complimentary back, and they're going to have to find that person in the draft, hopefully, or maybe free agency, whoever is available. Um, and Keenan Allen's getting older. Hunter Henry, I mean, he was healthy this year, but is he going to be again next year? He's also a free agent. Yeah. So it's, I think it's a good hire. If they can make that defense great, then it will help uh, Herbert a lot. And I think that might be the the end game with that. Yep. Um, and uh, Scott was confirmed earlier that Brian Dable is staying for next season. So, yay! You can be happy about that. I All am. right. <laughs> and he the last realized, time. <laughs> like, oh, the one job I wanted is gone. I ain't going Literally, to the Eagles. Yeah. I ain't going to the Texans. So I'll nope. just stay here. Smart, smart, smart man. So uh, moving on to Dan Campbell, tight ends coach for the New Orleans Saints, gets the Detroit Lions job. Um, I know he's his name's been floating around, um, most notably when he took over as interim coach uh, for Miami and 
apparently they did Oklahoma drills and up downs the first day because he wanted to toughen them up. Um, I assume he's smartened up maybe a little bit and especially because the league doesn't let you do that anymore. But this was surprising to me too. Um, uh, I mean, there were handwritten letters from government officials to try and get Robert Sala. I don't blame him for not taking that job, but you heard Harbaugh, you heard uh, other names, but Dan Campbell, I mean, sure. I don't know anything about Dan Campbell's strategically schematically. Um, but everybody seems to like it. So for Detroit fans, I say, sure. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eric, what, how do you feel about Dan Campbell going to the Lions? There's a reason why they haven't won a playoff game since 1991, right? I mean, it's... <laughs> it... anytime you hear the Lions in the news, it's always like, what? What? The... Wayne Fonts was fired back in whatever. 500 record and they've been chasing a Wayne Fonts ever since they would kill for Wayne Fonts again. They had Jim Caldwell and they cut and they let him go after he had a nine and seven season. Listen, they got high hopes there in Detroit for no reason. No reason. I have, I don't, I don't have much to say about the lions. It's a tire fire. They need to really just burn it down and build back up. They, they, they suffer for a couple of years and just be patient. And, but unfortunately the NFL, Patience is lacking for every team. Scott, <laughs> Dan Campbell. Yeah, I agree. I don't have too much to say, especially when, about the Lions, because like Eric alluded to, it's, it's usually never exciting. It's never really all that noteworthy. Uh, sometimes I forget they're an NFL team just because of how irrelevant they are. Um, I will say this. If of all the jobs, I think this was the one that probably would have merited getting a high-profile coach because they need to establish some sort of culture in there that's not unknown because it seems like every time they make a coaching hire it's like we don't really know going into this it was the same when all way back when they brought in rod marinelli it was like it was at that time it's like well we don't really know what we're gonna get there's not a lot of experience here and it's the same thing with dan campbell you know and and this is really going to come down to the staff that he puts in place and the coordinators that are around him they don't have much to work with their best receiver and probably their best player on offense is a free agent. And I would be shocked if he returns. I don't think Galladay's going back to the Lions. I think he's getting paid. Um, if I were them, like again, I would shop Matt Stafford, like Eric said, and just be really, really bad for the next couple of years and see what you can put in place. I mean, they're even they even made Jeff Okuda, who people thought was a sure thing coming out, look. Like he had no idea what was going on after the season when he was on the field. So they, they just need different coaches. They need a different staff in there and a different culture. I don't know if Dan Campbell's the answer, but I, that they probably could have benefited from getting just a more established coach that already has a reputation and a good culture in place. Like I'm not advocating again, like for the urban Meyer hire, but this would have made a little bit more sense just from the standpoint of get a guy in there that kind of know what you're getting and what you're working with rather than them typically just continuing to do this unknown stuff. It, it makes sense to me in one scenario, they trade Matt Stafford they burn it down and yeah. Campbell is the one that gets to watch the ashes and he's sure. there. He's there until they figure out and, what's and, going on. And it would make sense to that's kind of what you say to this guy. Listen, we're going to be really bad, but like you weren't going to get a head coaching job. Otherwise. So like, if you <laughs> want to be a head coach, be a head coach for a really bad team for a couple of years, and then you'll have your pick of your guys. If we're, if we're picking high in the draft. And finally, Arthur Smith to the Atlanta Falcons, 
Um, I'll keep this brief too. Uh, we said last time I would have preferred a steady hand, somebody I knew what I was getting from. Um, I mean, granted, offensively, how are you going to recreate what he had in Tennessee when you don't have Derrick Henry? Or I don't like Der- I don't like Derrick Henry. Uh, like, like, I don't like how he's portrayed, but the dude is a freak. And that's not, to me, a recipe for success because there's very few people on this earth that are like Derrick Henry. And, yes, no offensive line. To me, this was a spot for, like we said, like I think I said last time, the Jim Caldwell. I just think this was a little too a little too ambitious because I think they can still win. I see, I think they can still win relatively soon. And I would have liked to see somebody more established. This is, Um, this is the opposite, 100% opposite of that. And and this is, this is that young hot coordinator who made his, he's getting, he got a head coaching job because of Derrick Henry. Yep. Yep. Send him him a thank you card. I don't know. (laughs) I I mean, I I think you, you hit the nail on the head. There's not much else to say. Like, offense that Arthur Smith ran and tennis you have nothing you have none of that he, even the passing game like yeah okay yes you have Julio Jones you have Calvin Ridley but that's not the type of offense they ran in Tennessee it wasn't you know we're throwing the ball more than 10 yards 15 yards it, you know it was Tennessee was like we're gonna you know we got short passes we got slanched to Corey Davis we're gonna get AJ Brown on a wide receiver screen and let him do what he does in space and the receiver's on Atlanta are completely different. Those they are vertical threats. They they are guys that you want to launch it to down the field. Don't have, I mean, any running back in place there. Todd Gurley's a free agent anyway, but even if he comes back, he's not the same type of back to build that offense around. You don't have the offensive line to support that type of offense. I, I don't again, I don't know what this means. You would assume with a young coach coming in with no head coaching experience that they retain Matt Ryan, they retain Julio Jones. Wouldn't it make a lot of sense if bringing a young coach get rid of that because you want to give them some sort of support and say like, Hey, you're our guy. Here's an MVP quarterback. You know, here's one of the greatest receivers of this millennium. You know, here's what's on the platter. So let's see what you can do with it. So, but I I just don't think that's what the Falcons need. I I think they do need to try to blow it up a little bit, get more draft capital and fix both. They have issues on both sides of the ball. That's the problem. They can't run. They have no O line in their defense outside of a few borderline superstar players, depending on how you feel about Deion Jones and Keanu Neal, the defense is awful as well. So there's, there's way too much work to be done to get this guy to come in that you think is going to turn around your team and you're going to be 10 and six next year, because it's not going to happen. You would, you would hope that a new coach coming in is flexible. He's not set in his ways. And I never think that they are. I always think that they're going to come in. They're going to run the system that they know. The that's system what got that him they, hired. Exactly. He's not going to adjust. That's how I see it. He's going to come in and want to do that same style of offense, that play action, that Derrick Henry smash mouth. And that, if he's going to do that, it's a complete overhaul of that offense, and that doesn't fit Matt Ryan. Right. doesn't make sense. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, it, they need somebody to help them win the close games that they didn't. And I don't think Arthur Smith is that guy because he hasn't done it. Um, all right. We'll hit one more thing in the NFL. And I think we can hit this pretty quick. Uh, Browns lose to the chiefs 22, 17. And there was a very pivotal play in the first half. Rashard Higgins reaches the ball out for the goal line. He fumbles. He gets hit fumbles. 
I'm not I'm not going to even discuss the hit because that's a completely different topic. But the ball goes out of the end zone. Um, what do you guys think about the rule? Do you think it should stay? Do you have a quick fix? What do we think? I don't like the rule. I, it's been around for so long. I don't like it, but I don't see them changing it. Scott? Yeah, that's what it is. Like, I mean, I hate it. it, it to me, to me, it's it, honestly, it's 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 unfair, right? Like it that that doesn't happen. Like if you fumble the ball at the fifty yard line and it goes out of bounds, you get the ball at the fifty yard line. Like you don't have to the ball does you don't like as long as the other team doesn't recover it. Like it's still your ball and you just pick it up where it went out of bounds and you continue on. Like. And I mean, it really made a difference in that game. When you look at the final score and like, if he gets in the end zone there, that's a completely different ball game. So it, it, it's one of those instances, right? It's, it's like, is it a catch or not? It's, it happened in a, a playoff game with all these eyes on it. And so now it can't be something that's swept under the rug or ignored like a lot of other rules that either don't make sense or people don't really understand that, but it never comes up because maybe it happens in a game, like a Jags Bengals game that no one's watching, but this was, it's got people talking. The reason we're talking about it is because of when it happened and the fact that it's now people see like, okay, this is kind of a ridiculous rule. Like it really impacted this, this playoff game. Um, what I'll say is my fix is, or I agree the rules dumb because you're rewarding the defense and they didn't recover the football, but I do think you should be punished for fumbling the football uh, through the end zone. So my fix would be that you just bring the ball back to the previous spot, down counts, and you move on. So that way the defense is like, hey, well, he fumbled. Okay, all right, let's just move it back to the previous spot, down counts, and we move on. Because, yeah, you you shouldn't be rewarded for – you can just punch the ball out and then the ball rolls out. And the difference is a half a yard or where it broke the plane and went through the end zone or when it went out at the inch line. And that's the difference between keeping the ball and the ball going to the other team. doesn't make sense. All right, let's move on to the NBA and James Harden forces his way out of Houston, much to all of the strippers in the area's dismay, but he's headed to Brooklyn. Um, I mean, this is, it's massive. They've created another super team. Um, it, it, they have, whether or not you feel, how you feel about one third of that. Um, but for me, this is just another symptom of LeBron forming the first one. And now it's funny that he seems to not like the super teams when he started the first one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm indifferent because I don't have a team and I'm the dead inside from the NBA, but uh, how do you guys feel about the James Harden trade, how it went down uh, thoughts on the nets? It, like you said, it, it's, it's the LeBron effect is, is what I like to call it. It's just another example of the problem with the NBA is it's, and everyone says this, right? Like it was better in the nineties and it, it wasn't just because of Michael Jordan, but it's because you didn't have where everybody in the league was best friends with everyone. Right. The problem is like these guys are on, you know, they're playing Fortnite with each other on the headset and they're like, Hey man, we should play together next season. And then one of the superstars is like, yeah, you know what? Like we let's make that happen. Either pick a destination like Paul George and Kawhi did like, pick a place and we'll both go or 
hey, well, come to my team and we'll make it happen and we'll give up the farm and we'll give up everything for you. Like, I understand you want to play with your friends. That's fine. Like, I like my friends too. I like hanging out with them and play sports with them as well. And Houston did fine in this deal. Like, I mean, honestly, they, they got a lot back considering their hand was forced. Like, it, this, it was an inevitability, so they didn't have a lot of leverage. So they got, I would have liked to see them hang on to Levert and not swing him for Oladipo, but, that, you know, to each their own, I suppose. I mean, I don't think they come out of it with, very good from that perspective, but they got a lot of draft capital. You know, we'll see where those picks fall, but do I like it for the Nets? No, because it's three ball-dominant stars, two of which at least have reputations of being pretty egotistical, at least two, uh, and have trouble getting along. Well, at least one, I guess, has trouble getting along with teammates in the past. I guess you can throw Harden in there, too, because him and Chris Paul, it seemed like they had some issues towards the end of their partnership there, but they have no defense at all. Like I, they gave away two of their better defenders in this deal with Jared Allen and, and Levert leaving town. I, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think Kyrie sticks around because he wasn't expecting to play third fiddle. I don't think he's going to like it because he's already a whiny little, you know what, as it is. I, I, I don't see it working with the Steve Nash offense. Like everything about it to me is wrong and I don't think it'll work. But at the same time, I get it. Like, hey, here's James Harden. You want him? Sure. Like, you're not really going to say no. So I, I get it, but I don't like it because I just don't like what it says for the NBA. Cause now it's just a matter of time before the next team does it. Eric, how do you feel? It's the LeBron effect. Yes. But at the same time, I think I respect LeBron more for the way he did it. Grant, take the, the ESPN show away from it. He waited till he was a free agent. Sure. Then he left. He didn't say in the middle of a season or the beginning of a season, I'm not playing here anymore. Trade me to where I want to go. He waited. He signed his contract and he played through his contract. Nobody seems to be want to do that anymore. I mean, Kawhi Leonard. Yes. Awesome. He did it. The way Harden did it is what gives me the biggest problem is he forced himself out. And that's what I think the problem is, is when players are able to force themselves out after they sign their contracts. Granted, he was in Houston for nine plus years. Um, he probably got a little stale on him. You know, he didn't give the John Wall experiment, I guess, a chance, but he's played with Durant before. Granted, when he played with Durant, he was a rookie for three years and then and then he was gone. Um, so they're completely two completely different guys now. So let, let's see if they can coexist. Um, I mean, first game, he he did well. <laughs> he did well. <laughs> he had a triple double in his first game with the Nets. So I mean, hey. So Michael Searles, he had a, a three-part question, and I feel like we've hit a couple of things. But um, one of them, he said, will that drive KD out now that Harden's there? No, they played together already. KD is is honestly, like, doesn't seem like the type. No, no. And how this affects Kyrie's status in Brooklyn, who knows? That dude thinks the earth is flat. Wait, it's not? And he just... D- <laughs> And he's just deciding right now to step away from the team for personal reasons and then gets photographed at a freaking party. Yeah, I don't feel like going to work, but I do it anyways. I don't know. I don't know why the Nets would want him after what he's pulled. He's a baby. That's I, what it I, is. He's a yeah, baby. Yeah, I, I think he's affecting his own status any way more than, than James Harden ever could. They're and not that, a, They're not a super team without him, though. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Uh, well, what are you talking about? Joe Harris can be the third uh, part of that big three. Listen, Spencer Dinwiddie will be back at some point. He <laughs> averaged 20 a game last year. So that, I guess, leads us into the final question from Michael, and I think a good one. Do they have enough at both ends to compete with 
the reigning champs. I mean, we can say anybody, whoever comes out of the West, but let's be real. It goes through LA right now. Um, do they have enough? And I don't think they do because what you're going to have to have from Kyrie and James Harden and Joe Harris, who I like is perimeter defense. That's, an, that's, that's not there. You're going to need bodies in the paint to, to, defend Anthony Davis and I'm sorry I love DeAndre Jordan but that time has passed for him he's not locking down AD I just think there's still holes and they have time to possibly make some more moves but as the roster stands right now um, especially now that they as part of the trade they had to send away Jared Allen that that was a guy who could help you Um, but now I just don't see how they can win a seven game series against uh, a LeBron, uh, a you know, a, a team with LeBron and AD on it. Do they even have enough to get out of the East? That's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> they're they not all... very. They're not very deep now. That was no. a strength of theirs before this trade, and they had to get rid of a lot of pieces. And so, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think they do. Honestly. So uh, Orlando Magic, who they just played in their first game with with Harden. Granted, it's their first game together or whatever. They got to figure out what they're doing. The Magic are not an offensive team. They barely break 100 points. Put up 115 against the Nets. A non-offensive team put up 115 against you. Where's your defense? It's it's that's the biggest glaring spot. I don't think they can make it out of the East. I, I still think it might be Miami or Boston if, at this point. But Philadelphia is playing really well right yeah. now. Again, and it's, it's the running theme is they, they don't have any defense. Before this trade, if you look at the roster, I pretty definitively almost I'd say their best three defensive pieces were Jared Allen in you know in the interior, and Garris Levert and Torian Prince on the wings on the perimeter. And all three of them were shipped out in this deal. So there, there's no defense on the perimeter. If if you were talking about first of all, just trying to get out of the East, what did you know, what do Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown do? They just they knock down threes all day. Right, like over in Milwaukee, what does Chris Middleton specialize in? In them threes, so you need to be able to stop those guys. Like no, and no one's going to stay in front of from in front of Giannis. Miami moves the ball really well. They got Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. They knock down threes, and they're going to have a problem stopping that. And if they somehow manage to get to the finals, what's the trademark and the hallmark of a LeBron team? It's his ball movement his ability to find open shooters and they have so many forward spacers on that team there's there's no way the Nets have anyone that's going to be able to play defense on them the Lakers will they'll drop 150 a game they'll average 150 points a game in a playoff series because it'll just be LeBron penetrating or KD down in the post and throwing it back out to Caldwell Pope or to Kyle Kuzma or to Dennis Schroeder like you know and and they just they're not going to have enough in place for that so to me, no, this doesn't make them final favorites to maybe even get there, but it certainly does not make them the favorites to win the championship. Um, and for me right now, this is obviously going to be the best day that Harden looks because I saw a great line. He's on meet your parents' behavior right now. They just made this trade. He's saying and doing all the right things, but it's gonna he's going to do what he's always done, which is he's going to dominate the ball. And then you're going to have to force Kyrie to play off the ball. And all I'll say, this is what this trade does for them. It makes them super dangerous and they can make it out. They're, they're more capable of making it out of the East into the finals now 
but I don't think it will happen because of what we've said, the, the severe lack of defense. So does this, does this team attract anybody? Yes, it does make them attractive. I think yeah. I, I don't have the list of, no, I, I just say, but it, th- oh. yeah, it's not so much a specific person, but is there yeah. somebody that's going to want to, you know, do that LeBron thing and hop on and of course, know, see Ab- they- absolutely. Absolutely. I think it does make them an attractive destination. I think they are anyways, kind of since Jay-Z has been involved with the team, it does make it a, an attractive place to play, but, uh, that person's got to understand that they're going to have a very distinct role and it's going to be a certain type of person that it has to be. You're not going to go in there and score. You're going to go in there and play defense and, and, you know, spot up basically. That's yeah. I mean, Eric said it when Eric said it before we started recording it, it's Serge Ibaka. Like that, that's, that's what they're looking for. Cause yep. especially now so that Serge can search at the three point game. Now like, that's what they need. They need a, an interior presence who can, who can stretch out and, and hit the three. Like if I'm LaMarcus Aldridge, am I interested or Paul Millsap? Sure, absolutely. But I think it's got to be get that guy, and how are you going to get that guy? It's got to be somebody later in their career that's you know not that it's got to be like a, a, like Paul Millsap would be perfect. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. Well, that has been the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast presents the Naked Bootleg rolling outside of the trivia pocket with no protection, and we look forward to talking to you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you.